Yes, thank you everybody for coming. Uh, my name's Luke Meller. I'm uh, the marketing director for Pantonium. And with me today is Paul Buck, who's the, uh, the transit manager for Belleville Transit, uh, in the city of Belleville in Ontario. And today we're gonna talk about, uh, you know, the last month and a half, uh, essentially of what Belleville has done to manage the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, they took a, a pretty unique approach to the emergency, and I think it uh, will be of interest to anybody who's interested in transit. Um, and we'll be able to uh, at least learn from their experience and then also discuss uh, what's going on in the future. So just a few housekeeping items. Um, we're going to hold a Q&A after the, uh, after the, uh, what, at the end of the webinar, essentially. And uh, so hold your questions then, but there is a Q&A box in Zoom that you, if you have a question during the talk, just feel free to, to shoot a, a question in there and we'll go through them all at the end of the, at the end of it. And also somebody from Pantonium is watching that so they can maybe answer a question or two if it's a simple one, uh, just via that chat. And the agenda today is we're gonna talk about Belleville Transit before COVID-19. We're gonna talk about their response and, and basically the timeline of their responses uh, as the basically March unfolded. And we're going to talk about why and how Belleville switched to on-demand transit um, during the crisis. Some of the operational results because basically they've been running on-demand with Pantonium for about a month now uh, fully. And uh, we'll discuss a few lessons we've learned from the de the, this deployment and then talk about the future. And then, of course, the, uh, the questions uh, Q&A. Um, so with that... Um, Paul, I, I do. I have a slide with just some stats about Belleville, but maybe you could give us an introduction to Belleville Transit, and maybe talk about the project that we've been working with uh, with you on since 2018. That that initial on-demand service uh, for the night bus uh, route, uh, just to give some people some background before we get into what happened in March. Absolutely. Uh, we, we've had the Pantonium product now for, uh, for about two years and we were running our late night service on demand. Uh, when, we've, when we initially launched, uh, we had two fixed route buses that used to run a, a large loop around the city of Belleville um, from nine o'clock at night until 1230 uh, to, to look after our, our employees that were getting to and from our Northeast Industrial Park area and to get them to work. Um, but what we were finding is that we were only carrying about uh, 35 or 40 passengers a night. Uh, and it just, it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't, uh, it just wasn't practical. It wasn't working uh, efficiently. But when we launched the, uh, the um, Pantonium on-demand product, uh, our ridership responded immediately. We saw a 300% increase in ridership within the first, uh, within the first month of operating the service. Um, and we were operating um, same number of vehicles, um, same infrastructure, uh, running about the same number of kilometers, some to often less, uh, but carrying uh, upwards of 300 or 400 passengers a, a night rather than the, the 35 or 40 that we were carrying before. Uh, in that service, we, uh, we've been operating until um, March, March 19th of this year when we decided with the COVID-19 situation to flip to on-demand for our full service during the, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, and, and so let's, uh, let's go into that, that uh, initial stage. I, I think all, all the transit agencies that are on this call have probably went through the same kind of 
response um, and, and have been dealing with the same type of, uh, of challenges um, in, that, in that March period. I think it was that, that second or third week of March where everything became real for everybody. And so I, and I know Belleville went through several steps um, in your response. So maybe you can walk us through that kind of initial, that timeline um, of how you, how you responded to the, to the crisis. Yeah, our, our ridership, uh, it started to dwindle about the second week of March. Um, we started to see um, our ridership start to slide a little bit, but it only took until um, uh, around the 19th of March, I guess, or just before, when our ridership just completely dropped off. And it only took about 48 hours to go from, from a half-decent regular daily ridership to, to almost non-existent. And we started to take a look at how we could provide uh, the same level of sort the same hours of service, uh, but maybe decrease some of our costs in, in operating the service. So we started working with our uh, economic development uh, manager with the city of Belleville uh, and stay in regular conversations with some of our uh, industrial park employers that we knew were going to be deemed as an essential service because they're, they're in the food service or, or something uh, similar to find out what their hours of work was going to be and what we could anticipate for ridership so that we weren't missing anybody because our, our sole purpose once we decided to to start decreasing our our uh, our level of service was to maintain the essential services the essential trips to get people to and from work um, to and from our hospital here in Belleville and, and to and from uh, grocery stores when they were needed so then we started taking a look at uh, when these rides were going to be and we quickly realized that our service still had to operate from 5 a.m until at least midnight to get everybody to and from their shifts at work and to and from home. Uh, and in order to do that, then we started taking a look at what are the options? How can we do that? Um, because at the same time, we were also eliminating um, cash fare or payment on the bus so that we could maintain uh, safe distances for our drivers. Uh, we implemented the rear door entry so that we uh, didn't have anybody coming past the drivers or, or maintain that social distance as best as we could. And we started capping off seats so that we were limiting our, our ridership on board. Uh, and all this had to be taken into, into account and consideration so we could decide um, the best service to operate. And so we started looking at our options. Do, do we run an hourly service? Can we run, um, how can we set this up to, to make the most amount of sense with what we had? And our daily ridership was down at this point to, to basically what we were seeing uh, in, in our regular night service. We were down to almost 200 passengers in a day. Um, and we were carrying more than that at night within in, in two and a half hours of service with on demand. So it, uh, it was a pretty quick decision of the best way in order to cover um, the full regular service hours from 5 a.m. until midnight uh, was gonna be with on demand. Um, but then we had to take a look at where were our peaks and valleys. Um, we started to look at when people were riding the bus and we noticed we had two peaks and we had an AM peak starting right at 5 AM that ran till uh, approximately 9, 9.30. And then we had a second peak kick in, uh, which is actually higher than our AM peak around that one until three in the afternoon, um, the, the switchovers uh, at the factories when everybody was going in and coming home at the same time. So then we started looking at how can we, how can we provide the best service uh, give our drivers a break so that they're not working uh, as many hours uh, as they have been because they need that uh, that social distancing uh, as well. 
set up our, our sanitizing, um, kind of spread out the workload as best we can. Because the other thing we did not want to do was uh, to, to have to lay off any drivers. So we wanted to maintain our, our full um, full driver count of 34, um, not have to lay anybody off, We're still paying them their 40 hour a week, but spread the workout so that it was shared and balanced and even. So then we started operating um, uh, on demand. Uh, it, it just made perfect sense. We, uh, we started, we reached out to the employers in the area, uh, gave them a heads up uh, three days ahead of time that we were going to switch over to the on demand. And we also made sure we had uh, four different ways for people to book their ride. Uh, we set up uh, the email uh, through transit that anybody could email their ride requests in. Uh, we set up the customer service phone line that we maintained so they could phone their, their rides in through the day, uh, weekdays, Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. Uh, we had the um, computer portal that we've always had from day one that they could book through. And then we also had the app uh, for Android and, uh, and uh, Apple-based phones that people could book through. So we sent that information out. Uh, we did up the press releases. Uh, we hit our social media accounts and let everybody know what was happening, uh, that this is the, the way we were going to go. And also to encourage that we were there to provide essential trips only. Uh, we, um, we didn't want people coming, just riding the bus for, uh, for entertainment purposes or, or to get out for any social events. We were, we were there for uh, employers and employees and, and, uh, and people that needed groceries and appointments, that type of thing. Uh, and then we uh, we launched, um, and we were quite surprised again at the at the number of people that we had that uh, that took full advantage of it. it uh, it's been well received. Um, our ridership has maintained steady between that uh, 200 to 250 a day. But I noticed this week we're starting to creep up. Yeah, getting, the numbers uh, the numbers went up quite. A, I think today is your your highest number yet, and it's probably yeah. going to keep going up. <laughs> Yeah, and what that what we have to do with that now is we have to, to keep an eye on what we have for service because uh, what's happening is, uh, is a number of our employees that are riding the bus to the industrial park are telling their friends about, hey, you know what, this is this is working out excellent um, and it's it's doing really well. Then I see that our increased ridership is pretty much all the to the industrial park. So with the, with the Pantonium product, we get regular reports that we can go in and check. We can see time of day. We can see um, all the all the information that we need at our fingertips to decide how to redistribute the service, and we've done that a couple of times um, already. Just we can slide shifts ahead or back and, and make sure that we cover the, those peaks and valleys as best we can. And another thing that we have that we really like with the uh, with the Pantonian product is we can control the number of people on board um, through the through the booking. You know, we can state the the number of riders that can access each vehicle. Uh, we're not pulling up to a bus stop and saying, oh, we can only carry 10, sorry, you'll have to wait for the next bus or to call somebody in. Through the app, we set the cap at eight mobility, one or eight ambulatory, one mobility plus a driver for our total of 10 on board. And then the system will start automatically scheduling those bookings to another bus. So that takes that, that, um, difficulty off our hands. It's yeah. all done automatically. Yeah. Uh, and it also allows us to control which buses are in and out of service so that we can uh, maintain our, our sanitizing and, and track who's, uh, which buses have to come in and which buses are good to go. And I also noticed that the, uh, in response to these, the spikes in demand, like, like in that first week, I think it was on the March 27th when we first were, when we first had that launch, 
you started with three vehicles. So, and, and that's, that's down from when you had something like 14 vehicles covering a whole city down to three. And, but I think what we realized very quickly was that those three vehicles weren't enough in the face of the demand. So the very next day, I think you already had scheduled another vehicle to cover. Um, and then the lateness, uh, lateness and, and cancellations goes down um, pretty much as soon as you, you can flip that new vehicle onto the service. So that flexibility that help uh, help respond to this kind of changing circumstance compared to a fixed route, which I think, as everybody knows, is much more static. And, and you know, if you change a fixed route even a little bit by adding or taking away a vehicle, suddenly the service changes quite a bit. Uh, is that absolutely with the on demand? We can we have that flexibility to the customer service side of it. Um, they see the improvement but they don't know how or how many buses or, or how the services change to, to affect that. They just see the fact that their, um, their ability to book a ride is, is, uh, is there um, and they're on time and, and they get to where they want to go in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. And we did in our first week after launching the, the daytime on demand, um, the response from our um, riders up to the industrial park uh, was substantial because it was convenient um, and it certainly didn't hurt that we're still not accepting cash fares or, or fares at yeah, all. Yeah, free everybody. ride is a... So, so that nice. spread spread pretty quickly. So our, our ridership peaked actually right after we uh, we launched the on-demand. Um, it, it rose up a little bit. Um, so we, we adjusted uh, and we could do that on the fly um, almost instantaneously. All you have to do is uh, put another bus into service and, and put them into the system. So we've, uh, we've actually increased our, our daytime operations now. We have a total of uh, six, uh, five buses in our AM peak, um, six in our PM peak. And then through, the, through our quiet times, it reduces down to three. And then late night service now is really quiet. So we're down to uh, just a couple of buses to cover the late night. Now, traditionally, under our regular service, uh, we were running 27 buses a day total with 13 at the peak. Um, and now we're down to 11 buses a day with six at the peak, um, which is a almost, it is a 58% decrease in the number of vehicles that we're using on a daily basis and still covering the same service hours from 5 a.m. until midnight uh, and, not, uh, and not having any unaccommodated trips. We're still accommodating every request that comes on uh, onto the system. We do actually have um, midday and early evening time where we actually have buses that are um, that are looking for work. They're, they're, they're sitting, but we're not yeah. going to take them into service because we are now that we're seeing this increase um, in ridership again, they'll be picking up shortly. Now with the decrease in the number of buses that we're putting on the road in the day, um, our numbers of kilometers uh, per day are, are dropping as well. Uh, we were traveling roughly 4,000 kilometers on a weekday and we've dropped that down now to, to just over 1,500 kilometers in a weekday. Uh, with the with the number of buses that we have out there, over the period of a week, um, uh, we get we have a 60% decrease in the number of kilometers that we're covering uh, in a week as well. And still, that 5 a.m. till midnight, we're still covering uh, the entire city, every bus stop, uh, with the with that decrease. And then again, our, our total operating hours in a day. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't affect our budget because we're still paying our drivers their their yeah. full 40 hours. Um, as a matter of uh, 
a, a principal on, on the city's side of things, uh, but we do have a, a 64, almost a 64.8% a uh, reduction in, in the hours per day that, we, uh, that we're putting out in service, but still covering that full, full term of the day, which, is a, which has helped a little bit. Uh, which in turn, because we have fewer vehicles, we're driving fewer kilometers, uh, the one thing that we can count on being reduced is the number, uh, the, the uh, amount of fuel that we're using as well. Uh, yeah. And that's down, uh, our usage of fuel is down about 60% with the introduction of the on-demand service as well. So um, we are losing revenue through the fare boxes. We're not collecting fares. Uh, we're still paying our drivers their wage, um, but some of our expenses are, are going away in that um, our, uh, our fuel usage is decreasing. And we're also taking advantage of this time with the with the number of buses that we have that we don't have to run in service to get some maintenance done too. So it's uh, it's working out well. So I guess you were in in the the enviable position of you know every other transit agency in North America and the world pretty much has um, had to had the same crisis of plummeting ridership, uh, having to manage social distancing. Um, do you think that having on, a, an on-demand tool in your toolbox as a transit agency is, is um, necessary just in the back pocket for every agency to have something like this? Um, so when the next catastrophe happens, you're, you're ready to, to switch, um, switch off. So, uh, you know, is, is on-demand something that maybe you don't need it in the daytime when everything's running normally, but, you know, do you think Belleville was in a better position because you were running that pilot uh, project at nighttime um, and were able to, to switch uh, very quickly over? Absolutely. Well, with the, with having that on demand uh, there ready and, and, and ready to go, uh, it made that entire transition from uh, regular full operating service to on demand and to help us um, um, better set up for social distancing uh, and to be prepared for our customers. It, rather than having to um, do additional education to the passengers about yeah. number of people on the bus and, and how, do we, how do we have something else prepared in case there's more passengers than, than our social distancing will allow with the 10 on board? Do we have buses sitting ready to go? How does that work? With the on-demand, uh, that made it all um, very, very easy because you set the number of passengers that the system can book on a bus. Um, you see your daily bookings. You you know when you're going to get your peaks and valleys. Um, so it, it set up the social distancing much easier for us. Um, the, the ability to schedule a bus and schedule a time, um, it, again, is, is done on the fly. It's done easily. The, the transition in reality, once we decided that, that uh, on-demand was the way to go, um, once we got the information out to the public and prepared our drivers, in reality, um, now that we know the drivers are aware and we know how quickly we can notify the public, this can be done in in literally a, a couple of hours. Um, we can go from yeah. full on full regular service to on demand and and be functioning well uh, without any issues. What we have looked at now that we've had the opportunity to operate on demand on a full day is how easy the transition could be when we go back to regular service for our off-peak hours. Uh, we, can, we can run our, our regular fixed route service through our peaks uh, when we know that we have 
um, or will have um, passengers going to the college or, or going to work. We know when those key times are now. We can start looking at running earlier morning service on demand until ridership builds up to the point where we have to go to our fixed routing, go to the fixed route for that set time of day. And then during our peaks and, and after peaks, uh, pre-peak and post-peak, we can go back to on-demand um, and, and cover the same amount of area with fewer vehicles and uh, and still be able to meet our, our goals and, and our requirements. So that's something we're taking a very close look at. When we first start to ramp back up, um, initially it'll just be back to our, our regular um, daytime service. But uh, when we're doing our service review that uh, we we're kind of working on now, uh, that's absolutely going to be a part of it. How we can how we can bring on demand into a more regular part of our service. And and the uh, I know you you touched on this briefly, and and I'm just going to share some data that we've we've pulled from the system, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the operations now that you have about a month of of running this under your belt. Um, I know. Uh, so this is basically, this is your response uh, slide, essentially. Um, now you have five or six vehicles covering the whole city um, at, at your peaks. Um, and one thing that we, we've noticed is is the, the convenience factor for the riders. And I, I know, um, you know, it's a free trip, as you said, but also it's a, it's a direct trip. Um, now, and, and I think that's, that's what we, we want to uh, focus on when it comes to on-demand transit and how it, it makes the commute much more convenient sometimes. And I don't want to slag your fixed route network. And I think it uh, the fixed route network of Belleville performs very well uh, compared, uh, compared to a lot of cities. I think you can get around pretty much anywhere in the town. Uh, but what we've seen, uh, what we've been able to do is compare uh, a commute in a daytime, which we never had the data for, um, for, for a fixed route service versus the on-demand service. And so we've pulled a few trips here and there in the system. Uh, so in this case, it's uh, from Victoria to Walmart, which is, I know Walmart is the, the hot destination in, in yeah. Belleville. You know, it's number one stop. <laughs> and, yeah. and in this case, um, there were a few different ways you could access uh, the trip via the fixed route network, but all of them required a transfer essentially. And they took about between 30 and, and 40 minutes to take. And what we've seen in, in the on-demand uh, service trips, you have maybe a 20 minute uh, wait plus uh, a 20 minute ride time plus a, an average of 10 minute wait and no transfer. Um, so these types of trips, and I don't know if you've heard from the riders, but is the, are these types of, uh, or is this change in, in the service level um, and, and the convenience of that, is that being noticed by the riders? Have you heard any comments on that or are you just seeing them vote with their feet by increasing the use of the service? Uh, we are hearing that from a lot of our uh, uh, workers in the industrial park, not so much our Walmart. It's, it's going down a little bit now because we're only doing the essential trips, but mm -hmm. our workers that, uh, that are coming from all over Belleville to get to that Northeast industrial park, we're experiencing exactly the same thing, depending on where they lived in the city it was taking them 38, 40 minutes, sometimes an hour to get to work. Uh, but now with the convenience of the on-demand, they're booking their ride at uh, 5 a.m. or 5.15, and they're at work within um, 20, 30, 30 minutes at the most. Uh, and I think that's another reason we're starting to see that boost in, in ridership, um, again, through on-demand, is because it's it's convenient. We can 
get you from anywhere in the city to anywhere in the city with no transfers in nearly um, uh, in almost 50 to, to 60 percent, 40 between 40 and 50 percent quicker than we could have with the with the fixed route service. And another benefit to the on-demand is uh, now that we're running essential trips only, is we can see where the trips are going from and going to. So we have the ability, because everybody registers with an email address, um, if we start to see somebody that looks like maybe it's not an essential trip, we can send an email and say, just a, a quick reminder that uh, we're, we're operating for essential only. You'd appreciate it if, if this isn't an essential trip, if you could uh, cancel it or change your ride mode. Uh, and, and that's helped us out a lot as well. Interesting. I didn't, yeah, that, that is a, a interesting use case. And uh, here's another example. Um, and here's an example where the fixed route beat out the average time. So, um, and that's the concentrics. And I know they're, they're a great partner of yours. Those can, uh, and even, you know, I've had employees from concentric and their other offices email us and ask for the service in, in Oshawa, for example, <laughs> because they like it so much in Belleville. Um, now, I think it's a, uh, I have some lessons that, that, that we as a team have learned at, at Belleville uh, or from the Belleville experience in the last month. And I, I'm sure you, you've already shared a lot of it, but I think we can just run through this really fast. And, you know, the coverage and the efficiency of the coverage when demand is low, it, it's clearly been improved. And I think uh, if you're running an, an empty fixed bus because there's no demands, but you have to run the empty fixed bus, the, the best thing you could do is just park that bus. And I think that's what Belleville has been doing in that, that you know, if there is no demands you have a, and you still want to keep that bus around because you don't want to leave anybody stranded, why not just park the bus somewhere strategic and wait for the trips to come to it and, you know, you save on gas. And I think that's, as you said, has been proven uh, as something. And then the, the flexibility of supply uh, of vehicles, uh, I think is another key thing. So yeah, if you get, a lot of trips um, and the higher demand uh, and you start to see decline in service, uh, uh, you know, if you're getting late or long wait times, you can immediately add a bus to, to fix that. And I think this is something that we're still working on is m adding more automation to the entire process. So, you know, worst case scenario, if this social distancing practices have to continue uh, for six months, I mean, fingers crossed that it doesn't, transit agencies might have to have even more stringent uh, controls on interacting with drivers. So for instance, if uh, somebody boards a bus now in Belleville, they still ask, they can still ask the driver to, uh, you know, or if you were to collect fares uh, once again, you know, can you automate that process so people don't even have to hand a physical uh, card to a driver? So I think there's still some things that we can do to to improve the, the automation of the process to completely eliminate any human interaction. And then as we were talking about the commute time reduction um, is a big potential. Obviously when there's very little demands, you can get away with having a better service. So I think if we tried this in normal circumstances, uh, you would need a lot of vehicles to provide the same level of service uh, <laughs> uh, in your normal, for your normal runs. Uh, but in, in times like this or at night times, I think the on-demand can edge out the fixed routes in terms of, of serving commuters. Uh, is there any other lessons that you've learned from running it for about a month now, uh, now in terms of 
uh, how to manage the COVID crisis and also just on demand in general? Uh, it, it, it became, we've always uh, believed uh, that there was going to be some, some benefits to the on demand uh, at certain times of day. And, and like you said, at off peak or at lower ridership times. But this has been an excellent opportunity for us to actually put it into practice and see it for sure. Now we have the numbers. Now we can now we can put things together and say, these are the benefits. This is the savings. This is how we can improve our service for our customers um, during the during the off peak times. Um, we still have and we'll always have the, the the demand for certain core routes that have to be fixed because yeah. we know the volume. Uh, back and forth to our college in particular, um, a north-south route to our, our Walmart, of course, is our, our, our second number two destination. Uh, and then some of our, our locations along the way, like Concentrics, uh, the, the one route that was quicker on fixed uh, rather than on demand is because it's on the college route. So it's going to see that increased level of service, uh, but a higher ride volume as well. But um, other areas, um, once we get north, once we start to operate north of our, uh, of our 401 into our rural area, um, in some of our, our lesser, dense, uh, lesser densely populated um, locations right in town, we can serve those um, less expensively and better with an on-demand service than we ever could with a fixed route. Uh, and we're also taking a look at um, right now, our, uh, our specialized services, uh, our door-to-door -door service for mobility, uh, their ridership is down 90 plus percent as well. Oh, yeah, really. We, we have an opportunity. We could tie all of this together. We could mm -hmm. do door-to-door -door service with on-demand utilizing um, conventional transit or vice versa. Uh, we, can, we have that flexibility on the fly to, uh, to combine the services and, and cover the, the biggest number of passengers using the, the least number of vehicles as, as we have. Yeah, then pair, yeah, paratransit, I know that that's the, uh, I, I think that's another interesting thing about this project is when most people consider demand response or on-demand services, they think of paratransit. And what, what we've seen here, and, and this might be a unique, uh, a unique project in that it's conventional transit through and through, it's large buses, it's the commuting, it's daytime hours, peak hours, but it's on demand. So it's a very, it's a very different thing than the traditional, yeah, you have your, your paratransit specialized transit service, which is door to door and, and only by request. Uh, but this is, you know, your commuters. Uh, so th that is an interesting, uh, and then, yeah, of, co of course, the, the, the opportunity of merging those two together, I think that's the holy grail of making uh, transit sustainable, at least fiscally and in, uh, in your operations is, is, uh, you know, paratransit is a millstone around every transit's budget. Uh, so if any kind of way to minimize those costs uh, and still keep the service um, at the level it needs to be, then, you know, that would be a great opportunity. And I think now let's talk about the future of, of Belleville Transit. I know you guys just got, uh, you guys got some big funds for, uh, for new buses. Uh, it's an interesting time to get new, new equipment, but where, where do you see uh, transit in general going in the next six to 12 months, you know, assuming this crisis is going to linger around, but also uh, it will be mitigated or the, the intensity will be reduced. You know, your demand is going to go up, but you're still going to have to have social distancing principles. So, so what are transits going to do to, in this kind of 
this transition phase, uh, so to speak? Oh, I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, as everyone is, we're, we're hoping that this um, corrects itself soon and we can come back to our, our, our some semblance of, of normal that, uh, that we're all used to. Um, but we are prepared if, if this continues, uh, we're starting to look at how, how it's going to roll out. Uh, I think there's been a substantial um, awakening uh, in, the, in the transit industry that the exchange of cash fares and the exchange, exchange of tickets uh, is probably not a good idea. And we're going to see uh, a, a concern from our customers to, to go back to that. How do we give them the confidence that, uh, that we can collect fares without that contamination or risk? Um, and just to get people back on board the bus, I think there's going to be some concern um, about, about safety there. And I don't think we're going to um, randomly choose a day and say, okay, we're, we're good to go. Let's start on such and such a day and, and be fully operational. I think it's going to take uh, some time to ramp up. And I think we need to take a look at how we deliver our services and, and how the customer wants us to deliver our services moving forward. I, I don't think normal is going to be as normal as, as we've had in the past. I think the new normal is going to be um, regular social distancing, um, changes in how we communicate directly with our customers on board the bus, how we board. Uh, and with this technology of on-demand, uh, like we've, we've said before, this already puts us in a good spot to to continue that, um, but be able to, to grow our service back up, but still maintain some of those expectations of, of social distancing uh, and, and, uh, and technology and how we book and, and how we board passengers. With the, uh, with the new equipment that we just purchased, um, four new buses, these are the, the, the first brand new pieces of equipment that we've purchased in 10 years. So we've ordered them set up with the technology that, that we think uh, will continue us down that path of of the new normal um, that the technology of on demand will will work well with um, then and we'll be able to um, continue to serve the customers in the manner they hope to see and that's that's the the real thing with on demand is uh, it it's a substantial change in, in how you look at the service because we're not telling people how to use the service or how to get to where they're going. They get to tell us. We, you get, we decide how many pieces of equipment uh, and how many hours we're out there for, but the customer decides how it gets used. Yeah. And how do you think this is, uh, you know, for all the, uh, in terms of the, what the government can do and, and also what the private sector can do, how can, how can transit be helped? Because I know, recovering from this is going to be slow. Your, your, uh, your budget has been, you know, you guys, guys have probably thought of your budget last year and suddenly you have to throw that all that away. You know, what can be done to help transit is, is now the time to lobby for more funding or is now the time to, you know, you know, some people might be saying scrap it all and replace it with taxis. Uh, so how, do, you know, how do we fight those people or the ones who want to just replace it all with Uber in the end? Uh, Uber uh, and taxis, they, they will not be able to, to supply sufficient demand or to meet the demand of, of, of ridership. 
Uh, and in order to do that, the, the number of cars on the streets would just be, uh, it'd be astronomical. Yeah. Uh, public transit's always going to be required. There's always going to be the demand for it. There's no other service that's there that can move the number of people that transit moves in a day um, the, way, the way we do it. And, and most systems, or all systems, do it as efficiently as they possibly can. This yeah. isn't, uh, uh, it's not something that we set out to um, to lose as much money as we can on. We set out to move as many people as we can, as efficiently as we can. Uh, so I, I don't know that, um, yeah, our, our budget, because we have zero revenue generation right now, we still have the expenses to operate the service. Well, we could absolutely benefit from um, some sort of, um, government subsidy to cover this current um, loss. But I think more importantly, moving forward, it'd be the an ideal time for federal and provincial governments to look at how they can um, set up a, a regular um, a regular distribution of funds to operate public transit so that if this ever does happen again, we have the uh, reliance of um, some income to yeah. continue operations without uh, without reaching into the, the hole too deep as we are right now. Yeah. Okay. And I think uh, just in terms of question, I, there was, oh, we had 25 questions and I think we have about uh, 20 minutes. So I think we can try to get, get through some of these. Um, so I'm going to just pull up the, the questions now and, and we'll, we'll go through them. Uh, and, and so, and oh yeah, it looks like well, I'll, pick the ones that are liked the most. Uh, so the first one is from, from Jason Yanni. Uh, do you have thresholds in place for when fixed routes would make more sense than on demand? We do. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, um, we're always, that's that's the one thing that we're always looking at is at what point does does the tip occur when when fixed routing um, meets, um, meets or, or better is better than the on demand. Uh, and, and that for us is when um, it's a matter of number of buses. If we get to the point where we have to use um, seven on-demand buses to cover the area and cover the demand, when if we situated um, fixed routing and, and cover and could cover that with fewer vehicles, that's the switch. So the, the, the threshold for us is number of vehicles as opposed to number of passengers. Interesting. Okay. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Good to know. Um, and the next one is from Jeremy DaCosta. Uh, hi, hi, Jeremy. Uh, so he's asking, hi, Paul, does the app track the number of unfilled rides? So in other words, do you have any points where the demand exceeds bus supply and trips are not able to be completed? It does. It doesn't. Uh, we see it from the operational side. We'll get, uh, we actually, uh, it's been a very long time since we've hit that. Yeah, um, because we, we do fluctuate the service in order to meet the demand, uh, but the, the passenger will get and we get on our system, uh, it's recorded as an unaccommodated trip. But what Pantonium product is excellent at doing is it is constantly um, trying to uh, improve the efficiency of the service. So it may flash as unaccommodated now, but depending on if somebody's canceling when that trip comes in, it'll get accommodated very, very quickly. Um, and, and it gets gets shuttled in, uh, but it does. It does track if there's anything that's unaccommodated, but we haven't seen that in uh, our daytime operation of on-demand at all. And we haven't seen it with our nighttime on-demand in uh, since July of last year, or this year. Yeah, and just, just to add to that, I, I got an interesting stat from our support team on how 
basically how it does that, exactly what Paul described is in Belleville's case, in an average day, I think it's running about 2.6 million iterations of plans. So every time some, a new trip is added, it's running thousands and thousands of iterations in order to fit that trip in. So even if it can't immediately be accommodated, maybe there's a cancellation or maybe a bus uh, gets rerouted or maybe the system finds that needle in a haystack in the course of the iterations to get that trip built. And that's how we can keep the accommodations uh, so high. So the next question from Wilhelm, uh, do you think there's any part of this the technology that is being used for, for your on-demand service that could be implemented and useful for your fixed service when it returns? And I think you covered this a little bit in talking about filling in the gaps, filling in the in those low density areas. I think the Ward 2 example, so that, that northern rural area uh, and all, and also the off-peak. Is there anything else that this would be use, useful for, maybe for planning or any of that? Uh, definitely for planning. Um, as anytime we take a look at how we're, we're looking at our service or, or doing anything, um, we always look at how on-demand will fit in. Uh, and I think the, the biggest part of on-demand that we're going to see um, the, the use of the technology for uh, is another thing I mentioned is the combination of uh, conventional and uh, specialized or paratransit. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that inclusion of, of everybody on one bus being able to book uh, the same way uh, on demand, you don't have to do it ahead of time. That's going to be the, 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 big, the big technology emerged with on demand that I see coming up. Okay, and uh, next question from Luke, uh, Richard. Uh, how did the use of on-demand affect your scheduling protocols? And what about the union, any challenges? And I know that I get that question all the time. What do the unions think of this? And I think, you know, you have a great relationship with your union. So it may not be applicable to, to all, all transit agencies, which may have more, uh, more trouble with this. Yeah, uh, we, we do. We have an excellent working relationship with our union. And uh, we always make sure to, to, to maintain that as best we can. So before we made the switch to on-demand full-time days, uh, we sat down with the union and, and asked for their opinion and input on it as well as how we were going to do it. Uh, so what we ended up doing is because um, we weren't going to lay anybody off, everybody was going to maintain their, their, their regular pay, uh, the, we sat down and took all of the fixed routing and, and the bid that we had currently uh, and kind of set it aside and just put everybody on, um, on spare board. Uh, and, and split up all the duties. Um, our sanitizing is done by our drivers as well as the driving. So everybody just kind of went to spare board. They pick by seniority and choose their work and away they go. And that helped a lot. The, when we very first launched on demand, uh, the union was a little bit worried because this is a completely different aspect in how we do things. Uh, and they were afraid that it was going to be um, an efficiency project where we started to reduce service because we had on demand. Um, when we sat down and started to work with them and explain to them, um, what we're looking to do is, is actually grow the service with on demand, not reduce it. So that when we went down the street right now, our fixed route was down the street, turns right, picks up one person and then goes seven or eight, nine, 10 stops and doesn't get anybody. With the on demand, um, every single stop they go to, we'll have somebody there. So it's, uh, it's going to increase our, our reliance on drivers and, and the ability to run a service. Um, so they are very supportive of it now. They, they, they see that it's actually an increase in business uh, and it's, uh, it somewhat protects them uh, in, in the industry that we do. Okay, yeah. And 
Next question from, from Winnie. Uh, how are bus drivers responding to the switch to on-demand service? Does it require additional training to those who used to operate fixed routes? So I think in your case, you, you trained a lot of people up. And I, again, that was why you're fortunate that you had it in the, in the first place. But it, it does require some training. Um, it, it's all operated for the, from the driver's side. It's operated through a tablet, uh, uh, an Android-based uh, LTE tablet. And it only requires uh, two or three taps on a tablet at every pickup. It's very easy to use. Um, it's fairly intuitive for the drivers to understand and know what's going on. Uh, so that the training time in it was uh, uh, was was very quick. Uh, it's about an hour per driver and, and they've got it. It's pretty easy to use. Okay. And uh, from question from Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Uh, how does Belleville uh, promote this service to increase passenger usage uh, tenfold. Um, so I, I, I've been thinking about this too, because how do you imagine you're releasing a new service and in a pandemic, do you hand out pamphlets to people on the bus? You know, it, it's, tr it's a tricky thing marketing in this, this day and age. It was, it, it was tricky to market, but we've got, uh, again, an excellent uh, communications uh, program set up with, uh, with Belleville. Uh, so we have the ability to push it out through social, all our social medias. Um, we got a, a information out to all of our uh, regular media, radio, print uh, in the city as well. But the benefit to the Pantonian product, because we already had it, is everyone registers with an email address. So we have all of our regular users' emails that we could also push out um, emails to and say, just be advised, we're switching to on-demand. Uh, for all of our service, and this is how to use it. And then by setting up the, the additional email option for booking a ride and to set up our, our own call center, um, customer service call center Monday to Friday to book rides by phone, that helped a lot as well. And we still do that. We, we regularly, every couple of days, we'll, we'll push out some more. We're still operating on demand uh, media information and uh, just to, to keep everybody going. And we also, because we knew we only wanted to operate essential services, our economic development staff reached out to the industrial park employers that, that we knew were still going to be operating and provided them uh, bulletins to post in the workplace. Okay. Uh, this question uh, from Phil, uh, for, for you, Paul, uh, Antonio sounds like a big win for riders. Thanks, uh, Phil. Uh, how was the transition for internal operations? And I think maybe you covered this in the other questions, but did you receive any pushback from, from anybody in the, in the organization internally uh, to buy into the changes so quickly? Because I know it was a very rapid change. We, uh, we did move pretty quickly. The benefit to Pantonium is that um, it's predominantly completely autonomous. Um, it does, uh, once our supervisor puts in the, the number of buses for the day and the drivers for the day, the system operates entirely um, on its own, which was the benefit to us when we first launched our pilot, because I don't, uh, our service doesn't have dispatchers uh, and we didn't have supervisors on in the evening when the service was run. So it was uh, the, the best part of it for us was that we didn't need people other than the, 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 the drivers and the customers. Um, so it was, it was a pretty easy transition. Once the drivers got on to um, the fact that there was no more fixed routing, uh, and they didn't have, they didn't know where they were going um, from uh, from day to day until they got used to that. Then it was, then it was a little bit okay because it wasn't as 
uh, redundant. Uh, and and they were, and they saw the benefits. They saw the passengers on board the buses rather than driving around empty all night. They were they were driving around busy. They were full. Okay. Um, let's see from Will Towns. This one just got this one just got upvoted the most. Uh, uh, before the pandemic, were you moving? Uh, Four, three to 400 passengers per night on the late night service with two buses, or did you have to scale vehicle numbers up to eventually meet this demand? We had to scale up. Um, when we, uh, the most recent number of vehicles that we had on the road uh, for our late night was five. Uh, back in July, we had to make the decision. Um, we were seeing, that's when we started to see our, our unaccommodated trip show up on our late night service. Uh, and we were getting some complaints from customers that the rides were being uh, we're taking too long. So uh, in July, we uh, we made the decision to go um, slightly less efficient, uh, but better on the customer service side and increase the number of vehicles on the road, uh, which opened up uh, additional spots for ridership. It took some of the pressure off of our drivers. They could, uh, um, they, they didn't have that um, the push to, to, to constantly be on uh, as busy as they were and and the customers were seeing easier easier book trips and shorter trips so it uh, it was worth the choice okay and uh this one from brian harvey hey brian uh i hope things are all well with you uh how early are riders required to book their trip uh that's an easy one i think yeah yeah uh they they can book their rides uh in advance in multiple trips uh, so if you are an employee working in the industrial park and you have your schedule for the next two weeks you can implement it for the next two weeks or beyond uh, if you are at work and you have a trip booked or something happens and you need to go home we have the asap option as well where you just go into the into the app you book your pickup your point your pickup point your drop-off point and request the bus ASAP and it'll schedule there, schedule it to you as quickly as it can. And right now we're looking at a, about a 10 to 12 minute wait for the, for the ASAP trips. Okay. And uh, from Tristan, uh, normal, or sorry, uh, do you have strategies to nudge people on how to enter the bus and where to sit? Uh, so I've seen, I've seen plenty of examples in, in Toronto doing this, but uh, yeah, I wonder what Belleville's doing. Yeah, we just we just don't open the front doors. Um, yeah, we only open the rear doors when we pull up to the stop. The front doors have a sign that states uh, rear door boarding only. But if we pull up and somebody's there with a mobility device uh, and need the ramp, then we bring them in through the front door. On board the bus, we have every other seat uh, is taped off um, and signed so that they, they can't use it. Okay. And, uh, okay, uh, one from Brian. Uh, can the system integrate... Uh, on demand with fixed route as to create uh, timely transfers between the two. And I, that's something we haven't actually tried in Belleville yet. Uh, Theoretically, but, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's what we're going to actually look at when we launch in Ward 2. Um, mm -hmm. We are going to tie in our, our, our Ward 2 on demand service with our daytime fixed routing um, in, in, in down in south of the 401 in the city proper. Um, so we believe it will. Um, there's no reason to believe it won't uh, from what we've looked at and what we've tested. We think it's going to work really well. Yeah. And just to, to add to that, we have uh, all you need as a transit agency to do that integration with us um, for the fixed routes and the on-demand is a GTFS data. So if the, the system will pull in the GTFS data of the fixed route service and then the system will give that to the riders and show, okay, this is when the buses will arrive at that bus stop. 
um, and you can coordinate and you just pick that time and it'll coordinate an on-demand drop-off or pickup at that time when the fixed route is, is going to be arriving. Uh, so next question from Tristan. Normally, less than 20% of the nodes serve over 80% of the passengers. Uh, so I get that nodes would be stops, um, I, I, su I suspect. And did you incorporate a strategy based on this or did you follow a more agile strategy? Um, I think that's like the system does that on, that's the does. on demand is agile. That's the, that's the point. So, um, you know, I think Walmart and your, your employment area, the industrial area probably gets 80% of the trips now. Um, probably more, uh, more, more currently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When we first launched, um, and still is, we just have every bus stop in the city of Belleville is able mm -hmm. to book a trip to. Uh, and, and the Pantonium product itself um, does that scheduling. So uh, the, the, the service, um, the nodes uh, are operated the same as they would be through the fixture of service. It just, we don't use anything other than what's booked. Um, so they're all available. Um, but if we don't need them, we don't use them. The service looks after that itself. Okay. And next one from, from Willem. Uh, what is something you wish you had known or learned before adopting this on-demand strategy, either for the pilot or for the current pandemic response? Ah, I, I wish we had known about it and had it sooner. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, it is, it's the technology that we've always been looking for. Anybody that's ever run uh, dial a bus in the past or um, or anything similar to that and and we always said you know this would be great if we could make it more efficient or or if something would would schedule it better uh, and that's what this does it just I haven't seen a single opportunity in our service where it doesn't have a possibility of fitting in and working um, my only yeah for me it's uh, the only wish I had is that uh, it's just always been here uh, I'm, I'm just glad we have it now yeah. And I think uh, just to, I think that's a, that's a great answer, Paul. Uh, one thing we, we did learn is never underestimate the demands. Uh, Cause I think both in the initial pilot, we all, we didn't expect that kind of demand. And I think we were surprised by that. I um, was horribly surprised by that because <laughs> yeah. I, I was being, being a transit person, things don't happen quickly. When you start a new yeah. service with transit, you anticipate that it's going to build slowly over time you expect that when it launches, it's going to take a while for passengers to catch on to it, become accustomed to it, get used to it and start to trust it and then start to, to grow. Literally from this, the, the first night of service with on demand, uh, the passengers started showing up and it grew um, in days to where I thought it would take years. Um, yeah. It's just been fantastic. So uh, a question for Michael. Uh, hi, Michael. Uh, did Paul say 300 to 400 passengers per night with three question I marks? Did. I did. Yeah, we, we went from 35 to 40 to 300, between three and 400 are our, our busiest nights. Yeah. Um, and it took no time at all. The, the, the customer response to the on-demand. And we really, we, we started, um, when we first started talking with Pantonium, we started putting out about a uh, uh, a news release about every six months that we were looking at the system and we were moving forward with the system and we were anticipating its release. And then when we did release it, we didn't do as much marketing as I would have liked to have done. 
Um, and it turns out we, we didn't need to because the, the public was more than ready for it. They mm -hmm. were anticipating it and, and they reacted and responded immediately to it. Yeah. Uh, another question from Tristan. Did you enter, um, enter uh, any edge cases that increased risk? So that's a, I mean, could mean, I guess edge cases, it, it, things that uh, didn't, I guess normally uh, a fixed route service is pretty, uh, you know, predictable, right? Uh, an on-demand service, I suppose the buses are going everywhere. Anything could happen or a lot more could happen. I, have you ha had anything like that? Uh, we, we, we really didn't. Um, we knew that um, with on-demand, we could be more agile. Um, we could change things more or less on the fly. Um, so we were, we just monitored it and, and were ready for it. We didn't really test anything. We, uh, we just went live and, and to see what would happen. And, uh, yeah. and everything's been pleasant, pleasantly surprising so far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question from Anonymous, is the service still fare free? If yes, is there a transition plan to return to fares? Uh, and I think you kind of touched on that, but maybe you can expand yeah. on that. Yeah, currently we are still um, fare free in Belleville and we are waiting for the um, uh, the provincial emergency measures to be removed uh, and then we'll, we'll start to look at how we ramp back up. We uh, were actually, we are prepared to launch um, uh, a mobile pay service right now um, mm -hmm. with, or you can pay through your phone. So that will be incorporated when we when we ramp back up to avoid that transfer of tickets or, or cash um, but should be re the returning to cash fares for us will be uh, as easy as it was to, to, to turn it off mm -hmm. uh, we just we'll just start to advertise that effect of such and such a day we'll be uh, again collecting fares through the service uh, but we'll also run that cushion of time um, probably three or four days till everybody gets back in the swing of things and, and has an opportunity to, to load up all their fair media or to, to purchase fair media and, and get back into the, the, the routine. And uh, oh, we were, we've hit one o'clock. So I think we've, unfortunately, we still have a few questions. Um, there, there is a few questions. I just want to hit uh, just uh, on the administrative side. Somebody asked if the, uh, if we'll be sharing this after, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll share uh, the, a recording and also the deck of the uh, of the webinar um, after. So if you signed up and attended, you'll you'll get a recording. Um, other than that, I think if anybody is interested in, in uh, learning more about this, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, we'll be following up with uh, with the outcome of the webinar. Um, Paul, is there anything you want to end on? I'm sorry, everybody who asked the question. I just we just ran out of time. Is, is there any last thoughts or anything you want to plug uh, yourself, Paul? Uh, while we're while we have you here. Uh, no, actually, uh, to everybody out there that, that's just running a, a transit operation right now, um, I wish you all the best of luck, and and I look forward to getting things back into back into our normal. And uh, reach out if you have any more questions, or if there's anything we didn't address here and, and it's piqued your interest. Um, send me an email or give me a call and then I'll do what I can to help you out for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Paul, so much. Uh, this was great. I, I learned a lot. Uh, I hope uh, everybody else learned uh, something today um, and, and do please stay safe. Uh, and, and hopefully soon we'll be, we'll be back to normal. Uh, but uh, if hopefully uh, on-demand transit uh, from Pantonium uh, can help 
now or can help in the future. Uh, and, and with that, I'll, I'll leave it. Uh, again, we'll, we'll be following up uh, with the recording. And if you do have any qu questions, feel free to, to either email myself or, uh, or Paul, as he, as he said. So anyways, thank you everybody for your time and have a great rest of your week.